and welcome back to another episode of the Just Checking In podcast. This podcast, as always, as you know, is brought to you by Ben, a place where everyone, but especially men and boys, can open up about their mental health issues, break down stigmas, and start much-needed conversations. I'm your host, Freddie Cocker, and I'm the founder and editor-in-chief of Vent. As you may know by now, each pod, I check in with a special guest. We have an answer about all things mental health, as well as anything and everything else they are passionate about. If it helps that person with their mental health, we'll discuss it. My special guest for this episode, listeners, is someone who I've known for a very, very long time. But it was only until recently that we reconnected. Her name is Bryony Clark, and she is the co-founder of Not Another Podcast. Along with her co-founder, Kim, they chat about everything from music, life experiences, to people wearing backpacks on trains, which is one of Bry's biggest pet peeves. Me and Bry went to secondary school together, so I've known her for the best part of about 15 years, which is a bit scary to think about. She was one of the few people I kept in contact with and was definitely a lot more popular than me. Anxiety, trauma, grief, embracing challenges and stepping out of your comfort zone are all on the menu for today's pod. This is how our check-in went. Bryony, welcome to the Just Checking In pod, pal. The tables have turned and it's now my turn to interview you. Thanks for coming on to chat to me. How are you, first of all? I know. I feel like this is my first interview ever. I'm all right. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks, mate. Are you, are you not nervous, are you? I mean, slightly. I feel like a novice like this. A good nervous? A good nervous, yeah, I guess. Well, it should be. I'll channel it into something good. For the listeners, we have known each other for a scary number of years. I don't actually remember the first time I met you in school, but we were in Spanish and German together. I remember that in GCSEs. But the only time I've seen you face to face in the last... 10 years I think was 20 seconds at Lovebox Festival which was about three years ago now in the Muramasa tent do you remember that instant I probably remember the two hours it took to leave the festival more I remember I was on my way out of the tent and you know what it's like like everyone's got to keep hold of each other and and I just remember feeling someone tapped me and I was thinking oh this is not the time to be losing my pounds I just turned around and it was so brief just like oh my god and then yeah I was like I need to go because if I lose my friends I'm literally never gonna find them yeah I almost lost my mates doing that as well I was like I've just I've not seen that go in 10 years with school but I literally just slalomed through the tent tapped you on the shoulder and then went back to find my mates Lovebox is the best festival though in my opinion not at Gunnersbury Park though I know I was about to say the one thing about it is the location like it's so far it's not the one when it was at Vicky Park, that was the best. Is that where Wireless is? Yeah, Wireless was there and it was also at Stratford, wasn't it? It was one of the most horrendous festival experiences getting home that weekend, I'd say. Yeah, so I don't think I've been there for Lovebox. I've only ever been to Gunnersbury. So I've only ever been literally so far. Is it on the district line or on that way? Anyway, yeah, it's not fun. And that getting out, getting home, like cattle. Jesus, well, I hope they've sorted that out. When it, If festivals ever come back, I hope they sort it out at least. I know. It was even in like the newspaper the next day all right on to brighter things we have got a lot to talk about on this pod so shall we get started let's start the pod by talking about your little baby not another podcast you were definitely a very personable and chatty person in school so I guess I shouldn't have been surprised when you started one 
But tell the listeners how it came together, how you and Kim met and why you felt inspired to do it. Yeah, so me and Kim, we met at uni. So we've been friends ever since uni. We've always chatted and stuff. It's not like having a podcast was ever anything that we'd planned on doing or whatever. Like we both listened to them. And then I feel like lockdown was just so random. I think Kim had always wanted to start a podcast, but we never spoke about doing it together or anything like that. And I was always encouraging her like, oh, we should do it. Just go for it, whatever. And then it came to lockdown. It was like, oh, should we just do it together? And then, yeah, and then the rest is history. I think our first episode we did record in lockdown. So we've never actually been together when we've been recording or anything like that. Yeah, we just wanted to create something fun for people to listen to, but then also create a platform for people to share their stories, their experiences. Yeah, that's just something that people can relate to, really. And if you had to sum up the podcast in 30 seconds or less, what would you say? I would say it's a good mixture of, well, obviously we know we talk about pet hate most weeks. That is our you. USP. No, I'm joking. We try to have a good balance, really, of like jokes and just casual chit chat. A lot of it isn't scripted or whatever. Like, it's just really casual chat. It's like recording a phone conversation with us. But then we try and get people on and we just talk about a mix of stuff, to be fair. It's so hard to summarise it, to be fair. We do just talk about everything. We try and have a range of important topics and informative things, as well as just, yeah, like just casual chatting about what's gone on that week or the last we've been listening to. And is it fair to say that you and Kim learned how to present on the job? Was there any presenters you tried to take bits and pieces from or did you literally just wing it? A hundred percent just swinging it. Neither of us have ever done anything remotely similar. We're a hundred percent winging it. We just try to like be ourselves and portray our friendship, but just having it recorded. And yeah, people say it's like earwigging a phone conversation with us. And just talk me through that first pod record now. What was going through your head? Did you feel pressure, anxiety, or was it literally just, we're going to have fun with this, so screw it? Yeah, I guess we never wanted to put too much pressure on ourselves because it was always just like a jokes thing to do, like just something fun. Like We just had a bit of spare time. And I think the fact that we knew we could edit, if we did like any bits, we could cut it out. And if we just sounded rubbish in bits, we knew we could edit it out. So that took away a lot of the nervousness of it. We were just laughing at ourselves for the whole thing, to be fair. The first episode was a shambles we edited so much I think we must have recorded for about I think two times we weren't even recording we thought we were recording we did like 40 minutes yeah at the end there was nothing and we were just both like oh my gosh is this how it's gonna be (laughs) and we say like so much so we had to cut that out and it was just yeah it was fun but it was terrible and when we listen back even in the short space of time since then to now we've changed in our styles I guess I think that's been a great thing that I can hear as each pod has gone on. You've like professionalised it a bit more. You've still stayed authentic, but you've gotten a bit better at presenting. You've edited bits here and there. You put in little topics separated. So yeah, it's been a nice progression as I've listened to each one. No, even like introduction stuff that at the beginning we found it so awkward and we were just like, oh my gosh, I can't do this. And now we don't even think about it. We just straight into it. Just get that bit over with. And what have been some of the challenges you found doing the podcast so far? Have you found it difficult getting guests on or perhaps time and calendar issues maybe guests have actually not been an issue that calendar issues it's all been fine I guess everyone's quite flexible at the moment anyway everyone's got a lot of time so that's not really been an issue to be fair I would honestly say our biggest issue is like technical difficulties every single week we've always got an issue with either like zoom that we use or anchor there's always some kind of issue and also yeah we're always just running late yeah running late technical difficulties like they just don't bode well but um, yeah like luckily we've just done it with a lot of people that we know so it's been fine and we also just find it so cringe listening back to ourselves 
and saying like all the time that is one of our biggest things I just I'm like slowly getting used to it but I just hate it and I hate sound my own voice because before now you would never hear it you might hear it on the odd video here and there but not a whole like 40 minute have you also found when it comes to editing that you've gotten used to the sound of your own voice or has it still stayed pretty cringe both it has stayed pretty cringe but I have also just got used to it bits I would have might wanted to like cut out at first now I'm just like oh whatever and I think you think into it so much more than anyone else who's listening does they don't even pick up on half the stuff and they're used to your voice anyway they know what you sound like and what's the relationship you have with Kim on the pod how do you balance each other out and has the podcast grown the two of you's relationship as well do you think I wouldn't say we balance each other out as such like we are quite similar in a lot of ways but people say that we do bounce off each other so that just helps the conversation flow really naturally and stuff but yeah we always spoke so much anyway but now it's more just like constant dialogue all the time if we're not obviously just talking about casual chit chat that we would anyway we're just talking about the pod or like coming out of ideas or thinking about guests we could get to come on and all just things like that so it's constant all day every day now whereas before it might have been like every day but not so much constant through the day but yeah we're definitely closer now as well which is really nice and has the pod added to or strengthened your sense of self or identity having this side hustle do you think you know we all crave as humans that need to feel unique and having a strong sense of individuality has the podcast done that for you in a way Bri? It's interesting actually because before I would have started I would have said oh no way like it's just going to be a little fun hobby but it's brought things out in myself that I didn't really realise I really cared about I've been like oh I don't want to gossip on it for example and before I wouldn't have even really thought about that but now I'm like oh no I don't want to use it to gossip and talk rubbish about people and then there's other things like I wanted to use it to be helpful for people and I don't know if before I would have even thought about that thinking oh I want to do something that people can listen to and relate to but now I feel like that's really important that's an important part of it for me which yeah before I didn't clue like I didn't know that I really cared about that kind of stuff and as an interviewer do you think it's given you an, a great sense of emotional intelligence or a way of reading people and stuff like that yeah in a way I guess it just kind of helps in general with conversational skills being able to go back and forth and ask questions and, and like lead on from the answers that you've been given and also things like articulating myself is something that I've always found really hard so when you're on a something like a podcast you have to make sense with what you're saying so it's definitely helped me in that sense. I have had to really think about what I want to say and how I want to say it and be able to do it there and then. It's easy if you're like writing it down or if you're texting or something because you've got that time to think and oh, what am I trying to say here? How do I come across the best? But yeah, when you're doing it there and then, you don't have that time. If you talk rubbish, everyone literally is going to know that you just talk rubbish. <laughs> I was the first male guest on your podcast, which I felt very privileged to be. And I really liked how it was so evident that you had done your research. You could have easily just asked me to talk about my journey, but you asked questions which showed you had read or listened to at least some of the stuff I'd done. Is that important to you and Kim to making the podcast as professional as that can be and giving your guests the space to be themselves? Yeah, and I feel like in general life, you have to be genuinely interested in other people. So it's important that that comes across in whatever it is that you're doing. So obviously something like a podcast where you're chatting to people and you're talking to them about their experience, their story, whatever, you want to be genuinely interested. So to also get the most out of our conversations and our conversation with you, yeah we had to understand partly your story and take the time out to do the research and understand beforehand as well but yeah some aspects definitely aren't as professional as others that's good though that's good that's good I like that I like that 
And what has the reaction been to doing the pod so far? Has it surprised you in a way? Maybe removed any lingering imposter syndrome you might have had about doing it? I've always been nervous to start something on my own. If it was on my own, even if I really wanted to do it, I would never have done it. Like I just would have maybe just had it there as an idea that I would one day do and I would just never have got around to it. So it's been good to have Kim there and like do it together in that sense. But I think everyone seems to be enjoying it so far. I find it so funny that people listen to our voices like in their headphones or they're in their car and they're listening to our voices. I just find it so weird. I think, yeah, people seem to be enjoying it. I think it's mainly our friends that have been listening, but that's fine. And just on that, how important was it for you in making that step out of your comfort zone? Yeah, that's a big thing. I don't think, I can't really think of anything I've done where I've really stepped out of my comfort zone before, to be honest. There's a lot of things I might have an idea about, but I would never take the step to actually do anything about it. So that's, it's been quite a big step for me, to be fair. And even having the confidence to like promote it myself and tell everyone, oh, I've got this podcast, listen to it, not just kind of doing it and just keeping it a secret. Yeah, and it's quite exciting. It's just something new that I've never done before. And has it given you confidence going forward that you can make other steps out of your comfort zone, whether that's in professional life or your personal life? I hope so. I don't know. I I can't say confidently, oh yeah, when I have an idea, I'm just going to execute it and I'm just going to do it on my own or whatever. Like I don't know if I would really at that point, especially on my own, I wouldn't probably do anything. But it's definitely given me the confidence to just at least try things because yeah, you don't, you just don't know. And looking ahead now, what guests have you got coming up that you can share with me perhaps as a event exclusive or what other plans have you got for the pod as well? It's top secret. Sorry, can't tell you anything. So we've got um, a DJ is coming on soon. And then we've also got one of our friends who's a professional basketball player. So I won't tell you anything else. Make of that what you will. But yeah, so it is a real mix. The people that we've had on already and the people that are coming up are a real mixture. But yeah, you have to listen to find out. And how would you like to grow the pod going forward, Bri? Would you want to do perhaps a live show post-COVID or maybe get your own friendship group on it? Gosh, the thought of a live show gives me anxiety. I don't think I'll be able to do it. I just would crumble. Well, actually, to be fair, I feel like it might be all right if there was a big group of people. So if I had my friends on it, which I would love, it might be better because, yeah, it would just be casual as we are anyway. I'd love to get my friends on it. We're always talking about it anyway. So like we're always discussing before I put an episode out. Oh, what should we talk about? Or guys, what do you think of this? So I feel like they would have some interesting input. Definitely. Yeah, we're just going to try and be like consistent with our content. Just keep putting it out. And yeah, I hope that we just continue to enjoy it really. And has the pod helped you have better conversations with your friends when it comes to any sort of issue, whether it's to do with guys or whether it's to do with mental health or whether it's to do with lifestyle or life choices and stuff like that? It's interesting, actually, after our episode with you, and we spoke about mental health, even my friends were like, oh, we didn't know you had CBT. So they didn't even know that I'd gone through that. So I guess in that sense, and then we spoke about it like briefly. So they might have thought, I think they said, oh, we feel really bad. Like we didn't really know. So I don't know if that kind of made them realise, oh, maybe we didn't have these conversations before and we should now or just anything like that. So kind of, slightly, yeah. And just finally, Bright, if there are any people listening to this pod who want to give your pod a go, where can they find you on streaming platforms and social media? So we're on, well, most streaming platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Not Space, Another Space Podcast. Instagram is Not Another Dot Podcast. Yeah, give us a follow. Check us out. We talked Not Another Podcast. Let's dive a bit deeper and talk about your own journey, Bri. So firstly, why don't you walk me through your early life growing up in Essex, your teenage years, and whether looking back, were there any early 
mental health experiences you had you know who's the bride we meet here yes yeah, so I've lived in Essex basically forever well apart from when I went to uni in Canterbury which was really lovely yeah I've always been pretty introverted I'd say I've only really recently become aware of what that really is though I think I always just thought I was really shy but obviously it's like a completely different thing but around my friends like I'm not quiet or shy they're always like you're not an introvert and I'm like I am like trust me but yeah I wouldn't say I'm the most like confident person which is probably a bit ironic I've got my own podcast but yeah I don't think mental health is anything I particularly struggled with growing up to be honest it was more like yeah uni years I would say I started to become aware of my own mental health but yeah growing up I had a good school life I had a good set of friends around me who I'm best friends with now still but yeah it's fair to say that our school lives were probably very different but would you say that school was something you enjoyed as much as one can enjoy school yeah definitely I always look back at school with like really positive experiences I can't really think of any time in school I struggled I wasn't like a genius but I wasn't on the other end so yeah I was just kind of pretty average but I think yeah the fact I had really close friends and good friends in school that I'm still really close with now probably helped that a lot you said to me off air that your nature is not to be naturally as open as others which is fine as long as you find outlets to vent in some capacity and and a support network have you always been like that power and has it ever had a negative impact on your mental health at all I think I definitely have always been like that. As I said, like I am pretty introverted. So I'll talk to my close friends about whatever. Um, Maybe my family, maybe not so much actually. I Probably just mainly my close friends. But yeah, I'm not really someone that you know like what's going on with their life unless I actually tell you. But I I am happy like that too, to be fair. I don't feel like I'm suppressing stuff or I don't feel I need to get it out and I can't. So I'm lucky in that sense. I don't feel I am happy to just keep it to myself and just comfortable telling the people that I want to tell. And that's good because you're venting in some capacity, but you don't feel like you're bottling it up. Yeah, exactly. And if not, then yeah, I might write it out or I think putting time aside to actually just think about how I feel is enough for me personally. Anxiety is something that you say you live with and we'll talk about some life events which exacerbated it in a big way in a second but growing up do you know when you started experiencing anxiety and how did it affect you then and now? I'd say yeah around uni time but it was so I couldn't explain why and even now I wouldn't really say there was any catalyst I think I struggled with that because it was kind of like oh well like there should be a reason why I feel like this something must have happened for me to feel like this but now I just think I don't know I still can't put my finger on it but yeah that's just how I felt at that time it wasn't bad it didn't consume me like day to day it was just I'd have random days here and there and I guess everyone does but it was yeah that was just kind of the first time I was aware of it and aware of thinking oh I'm kind of worried about these things that I didn't used to worry about I've never really thought about before and then it's more yeah like recently that I've had it but I can understand where it's come from and the way it's affected me slightly more. And back then did you know how to develop tools to kind of help you with your anxiety or was it more just you were just winging it as you went along and experiencing the bad days and dealing with them yeah not at all I wouldn't have had a clue I wouldn't have to be fair I don't know if I would have even thought to say to somebody oh I feel a bit weird today or I feel I don't know why I feel like this I'm worrying about this I genuinely don't feel like I'd ever spoke to anyone at that point about it just about like mental health in general so and that was only at uni so that wasn't actually that long ago that was like what five five years ago was it yeah yeah long time now I think I just kind of got on with it and luckily for me, that's okay. But obviously, like, not everyone is like that. And they might have felt, oh, why do I feel like this? How do I talk about it? I don't really know how. There were some big life events which definitely affected your anxiety, specifically around health, if I'm right in saying, and health anxiety. Let's talk about 
2016 first. So your mum and your nan both developed cancer in the same year, if I'm right in saying. If you felt comfortable saying, what are your memories of this? Maybe the aftermath and then how did it affect your mental health? And you can go into as much or as little detail as you want. Yeah, so it was pretty full on year. I think because up until that point, I feel like my life had been pretty smooth sailing. That was the biggest thing that had happened to me. And it was two things in really close succession. So, I mean, I'm, I was grateful that this was the first thing at, at the age of, well, how old was I? 20, 20 something, that that was the biggest thing that had happened to me. But yeah, I now see it as a period of life I changed and learned the most, definitely, in a good way. But yeah, I've learned in that period just to be grateful for like the really small things and yeah, just to try and be optimistic and see the silver lining and everything. And I just carry that through now with life and it helped me to deal with things that have happened since. So although it was a really hard period of time, I just tried to learn anything I could from it. And now like it was definitely not worth it, but you know what I mean? I've learned from it, so it's still a good thing. And if this wasn't enough to deal with as a 20-something-year-old, in 2019, your nan really tragically passed away from cancer. And then your dad was involved in a really serious car accident, which put him in intensive care for several months. Again, going into as much or little detail as you want, just tell me about this and maybe how it affected your mental health. And then also what you learned from it as well. It was weird, actually. At the time there was kind of a lot going on. So I didn't have time to even stop and think about how I felt. So it was very much every day was just passing, passing, passing. And because the days were so intense, like I would go see my dad in hospital, I'd get up early in the morning, go see my dad, come home, see my nan, go to bed, just repeat the next day. So there was no time to really stop and think about how I felt, which I don't know if, if that was a good or a bad thing, to be fair. But yeah, I think it's only recently I've realised how it affected me. And I think if I'd have felt it at the time, it would have been even more intense than it already was. So I'm kind of like grateful for that. But there's a lot of things I feel now I need to address rather than carry forward because I do feel like at some point, sooner or later, it's going to get to me and it's going to, yeah. I could already feel it happening like in lockdown. Like when I realised about my health anxiety and I thought, oh, actually, maybe this is to do with what's happened in the last year. So that's when I kind of started thinking about it. It was a weird period of time with my nan and my dad because obviously my nan was getting worse, but my dad was slightly improving so it was really bittersweet I don't think I could really articulate whether I was happy or sad which didn't help because it was making me confused and it was effort to think about that so I just kind of was, oh I'll just I'll just worry about that later but yeah now I'm kind of realizing okay I need to address these things because I'm going to take it with me otherwise what you said there I think really spoke to me when I went through what I did with my dad and when he had a stroke and you kind of go on autopilot a lot of it and then you have to address the things that happen afterwards before we go on to your mum and dad's recovery, thank goodness, do you feel comfortable talking about your nan or maybe what your favourite memories of her were? Yeah, I love talking about her still. I love Nana Shell. She was just one of those loving, open people and everyone that met her would remember her. So yeah, she's got that kind of warmness about her, which I hope I can kind of like leave that mark on people that I meet as well. But it's not something that I want to not speak about or I don't think because she's not here anymore it's kind of oh we don't talk about that I like to be open about it and um, the family always have we still it's funny we still call their house we call them Nana Show and GD we still call it Nana Show and GD's house and just on that do you see some of her characteristics in you now that she's passed or before she passed maybe not me so much but definitely like my parents and like my, my mum even and my aunts and yeah definitely now because we kind of took the time after she died to reflect on who she was and the traits that she had and it makes you think oh yeah actually a lot of us do have those traits as well but you just never really think about it before that 
And as your dad recovered from his accident and your mum recovered from her cancer, just tell me a bit about this period of your life, as I imagine you had to take on a few more responsibilities in the family whilst both your parents were seriously struggling. The nature of their recoveries were different. So my mum, it was more like, okay, she's finished chemo now. So she wasn't working. So she was just having the time to just relax at home. So my role was just being there and just making sure that I could do whatever she needed me to do like around the house or go to the shop and get stuff. But with my dad, it was completely different because after he left hospital, he had to go to rehab. So he was like in rehab for quite a long time, just rehabilitation, getting him used to normal life. But his was, because it was a brain injury, it was very different because it was like kind of, it was like role reversal in a way. It was like I was the adult in a way and I had to help him. He was kind of improving, getting back to normal life. And yeah, it was it was a very hard time, but they were very different. But yeah, they were hard. But again, at the time, I didn't go through it thinking, oh, this is so hard. I have a really hard time here. It was more just getting on with it. And now I look back and I'm... Because I was made... Re- when my mum was... Well, like she had was having chemo and she was recovering. I lost my job in that period of time. I could have seen it as like, oh, this is just my luck. This has happened again. Or I could have seen it, which I did choose to see it as, okay, well, now I've got the time to look after her and I've got that time to... No, yeah not be busy and I can just dedicate it to looking after her and doing whatever needs to be done so yeah that helped me obviously I didn't see it as oh my god my life is so hard that's a good thing that you were able to turn that negative into a positive which I'm sure not a lot of other people could do one consequence of this period was that you said to me off air it brought you closer as a family and made you support each other more did it also make you have perhaps difficult conversations as a family as well Yeah, it definitely brought us closer, even just being together like every single day and seeing each other all the time. That in itself would bring anyone closer, I guess. But yeah, I think everyone's a lot more open now, just even in just their emotions. Like if they're feeling sad, they'll just be sad and it's fine. They'll just cry with everyone around or and maybe before we wouldn't have done that. And even for myself, if I'm sad now I just cry whereas before I would have maybe tried to hold it in or it got to a point where I was like I can't hold it in because I'm actually feeling really upset and I just cried and now I'm not worried to cry about things and I'm not worried to be upset because everyone is. One other consequence of this period Bri which was a more dark point I guess was the onset of a more severe form of health anxiety and you became very hyper self-aware of your health that's definitely I've experienced a lot of it during Covid for sure. If you could just tell me a bit about this and how it made you feel. Did you have a fear of getting cancer yourself? It wasn't so much cancer. It was more just, is there something wrong with me that I don't know about? Or And because I think with cancer, obviously, it's not like a tangible thing. You can't see it. Where my dad, he'd had his accident. It was a brain injury. Again, you couldn't see it. So my thing was, well, there could be something seriously wrong with me and I, I can't see it and I don't know it's there. But I think, yeah, lockdown obviously didn't help. I was just in my house all the time covid everyone's thinking oh no i really don't want to get this i'm gonna get so ill blah blah blah. and i think just the combination of it all just like yeah and i was just worrying every single day i'd feel a tiny thing and i'd think oh no is that is is there something wrong with me why am i feeling like that or what is that rather than whereas you would have felt that before and you would have ignored it it was just so like i'd really pay attention to it and then yeah just every day was something else I ran for the train the other day over the platform at South Woodford, got my mask on and got on the train and felt out of breath and thought COVID. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, I was on the train, I felt really hot the other day. I thought, oh no, is this a fever? Have I got corona? It's just so, I think because it's always on your mind, you really can't help it. But yeah, it doesn't help. <laughs> when you came out of this period, Brian, what do you think got you through it? And secondly, what do you think you learned about yourself? I think... To be fair, having some normality definitely helped. Just doing things as normal again and like being able to go out and see people and actually spend time with people that 
probably helped the most to be fair but yeah just kind of taking the time to think about how I felt rather than just getting on with it all the time and talking to like my best friend about it and she would say to me well it's not surprised that you feel like this and then it's only then when I started to think okay it's all right that I feel like this and just trying to work out the reasons why to be fair really helped me kind of move forward and just accept that's how I felt at the time I'd say mainly talking about it being open about how I felt and yeah also just having a sense of normality like being able to spend time with people and being able to go out again and just do normal things because I think when you're well, locked down just didn't help because you're just cooped up all day every day. You've spoken about receiving cognitive behavioral therapy or CBT on your own podcast Briar. Now therapy helps lots of people including myself but it isn't for everyone and everyone's needs are unique to them. It also massively helps when you have a good therapist and if you have the wrong therapist it can really scar people for sure. CBT wasn't for you you felt. Just tell the listeners what CBT is first of all and then from your experience why it wasn't for you. Yeah CBT cognitive behavioral therapy it's just to do with retraining your brain and the way you think so it's very I would say very solution based so it's not necessarily addressing like the root of the problem or the reason that you feel the way you do it's more just like a case of this is how to deal with it when you do feel like that so for me it wasn't as helpful because I wanted to understand why I felt exactly how I did where it's come from and having a purely solution-based therapy for me I just didn't find it that helpful because yeah I don't know as you said it's partly to do with the therapist as well I think you don't get on with every single person that you meet so there's that exact same thing with a therapist you're not necessarily gonna click with them as soon as you meet them you're not necessarily going to click with them at all so yeah that was my thing I think obviously there's different types of therapy and I'm hoping that I can try a different one that's more maybe in depth about the reasoning behind how I feel how I feel rather than this is how you deal with it because it was kind of like I would say something and it would be like okay let's put that there so if you do feel like that then this is what we need to do and I was kind of like oh but I don't want to I don't want to leave that there I want to talk about that I want to address it but that's just me everyone's different and what I need obviously isn't the same as what everyone needs I've got a form of therapy I'm doing at the moment, which I'll talk to you about off air, which actually might help. So we'll, we'll talk about that off air. Where you are now, Bri, are you self-aware to realise some thoughts you're having on a particular day are rational and you can combat those or are you still figuring them out? A bit of both, I think. Obviously, it's one thing saying, oh, I know that what I'm thinking is irrational. And it's a whole other thing, actually, like getting your brain to stop thinking it or getting your brain to believe it. So some days I can just ignore it and just carry on. But other days perhaps when I'm not as busy and I'm just got more time to myself, then it might affect me more. So it's a real mixture, to be honest. But I read um, a good book about it. It was, I can't remember the name of it. I think it was Help Me, I'm a Hypochondriac or something. And I just saw it and I thought, because I always thought I'm not a hypochondriac. I'd go to the doctors every now and again. And he'd say, because I hadn't been in like a year, oh, you're definitely not a hypochondriac. And I was thinking in the back of my head, I think I am. But yeah, so it's just kind of goes into it. And it says all these things and you're like, I feel all of these and it makes you think okay I'm not the only one that feels like this it'll be like you pick up the tiniest feeling in your head and you think oh my god I've got brain tumor or something it's just something that you can really relate to when you read it and also it kind of just talks about yeah when you feel these things like you feel sensations in your body all the time you don't need to pay attention to it It doesn't mean anything's wrong with you like you just feel them all the time yeah when I was reading this book I was just reading it thinking this is literally me I'm not the only person that feels like this And then, yeah, and it just helped me to be like, okay, I might have a sore arm today, but that doesn't mean anything. Like, I probably had a sore arm all the time before. So you were basically going into that really bad cycle at the start where you were getting anxiety about having anxiety? 
Yeah, literally. And like, the more you think about it, the worse it becomes. Another part of your introversion, Bright, is your preference in enjoying your own company and your aversion to, or at least you don't prefer big social settings anyway. In that sense, I know lockdown has been really hard for everyone, but has being on your own and lockdown itself not been as hard as you perhaps would have imagined because your aversion to social settings is is like that? Or has it still been tough? It's, well, I mean, ironically, for my health anxiety anyway, it's got way worse. And I feel like had I not had that, I would have absolutely loved lockdown. It was just like my cup of tea. Just chilling like every single day, not having to see people, not having to speak to people, just doing my own thing every single day. But yeah, the fact that I was feeling like worried every single day just kind of took the enjoyment out of it that I might have otherwise had. And obviously I just wake up and it'll be the first thing I think about even when I was trying not to. So yeah, I feel like maybe in another period of time, I would have enjoyed it and appreciated it so much more. But I still did enjoy it, to be fair. And just going forward, are you struggling? Or do you think other people will struggle with this adjustment back to normal life? You know, I look, I see videos of crowds now, I'm, even I'm a little bit like, Whoa. oh, my gosh, yes, I've, um, I started going back into the office, maybe two days a week. And when I'm on the train, they're not half as busy as they used to be. But I'm like, all these people need to get away from me, because you're way too close. Or if I'm in a queue, I'll look behind me. <laughs> and the person's really close to me. And I'm like, can you move back and I can't imagine it going anytime soon like this feeling of people that I don't know need to stay away from me (laughs) it's not going to help single people is it well I know exactly now you actually got to stay away from people (laughs) and given all of you have experienced Briar if you could give one piece of advice to that 13 or 14 year old Bryony or the 20 21 year old Bryony who might have been struggling with her anxiety or going through that horrible period like you said of grief what do you think you would say to her I don't know that's so hard I think just as I do now like I always just look for the lessons in everything like I've said it before I just always try and see things through a lens of like gratitude and like just mindfulness and just trying to see the lessons in everything because I honestly do think there's nothing that happens in your life that is for nothing even if in the time it feels like horrible and you think why would this happen I honestly think that at some point you you know you're going to look back and be like okay so this is why that happened and this is what I learned from it so I just feel like in the worst times just try not to let it consume you and just try and see from the future basically and think okay when I look back I am gonna learn from this even though it's horrible right now. We've come to the final topic of Conversation Bri and it's one I try and have with all my special guests which is a general natter about our mental health. So firstly, circumstances including or excluding, how would you say your mental health is at the moment, pal? I would say it's pretty good, actually. I would say it's good. It helps when the weather's really nice. Not that it's been that great recently, but even the sun being out, it really helps me and it really makes me just feel a bit more positive at the beginning of the day. And if you felt comfortable saying, can you state what mental health issues do you live with, if any, and how they affect you in your day-to-day life? Yeah, mainly anxiety, to be fair. And it's not been, there's been periods when it's been worse. But it's never been anything that I've really, really struggled with, I wouldn't say. And what things do you find in life that might trigger your mental health or your anxiety? So this might be, like you said, being on the train and feeling a bit hot, or it might be things people might say to you, sounds, sensations. Yeah, it's when I feel a bit different to normal. So if I do feel, if I've got a headache or if I do feel a bit hot 
randomly or I think it's yeah if if I don't feel normal I feel slightly different or I feel a bit dizzy or something it's like really plays on my mind and I can't just get on with my day and ignore it it's mainly things like that yeah do hangovers affect you a little worse than other people like me (laughs) I do anything to avoid them now I'm like the night before I make sure I drink loads and loads of water because that next day is it's just unbearable these days honestly (laughs) I've started drinking mid sesh now like water oh after every drink apparently it's really helpful yeah otherwise i get two-day hangovers now it's bad it's too much i actually can't and you're like i'm back in work now i can't be hung over at uni it's fine because you just slob around in bed for like three days i hate being unproductive as well that's a really big thing because you're just monging out you're doing nothing mm-hmm. and, and as well the fact that it's self-inflicted when it's a hangover i'm like i can't even blame anyone i can't even be sorry for myself this is self-inflicted and what tools and methods do you use in your own life to improve your mental health or help you feel better you know which ones have you found that have worked and maybe which ones that you've tried but haven't so yeah as I said about CBT I did try that which I didn't like as much I would definitely be open to other types though of therapy it's just kind of about when I have the time to look into them and work out which one I think would be beneficial but I like meditating I try and do that either at the beginning of the day or at the end of the day and I don't mean like sitting there like I mean sitting there and just taking the time out of your day to just be like present and try and not be distracted by anything and just kind of just be with your thoughts and I find that really helpful it just kind of relaxes you if nothing else and going for walks I find really helpful just on my own just leave my phone at home just going out and also that's another thing just not being on my phone just putting it on airplane mode and just leaving it for a bit and that can be really distracting I think and some people like to be distracted constantly and they find it helps them but for me my mind just yeah just gets really I don't even know the word to describe it but I just need that time I'm not being distracted by anything to just think about what I need to think about and then get on with my day and how do you support friends in your social group or family members if they are struggling with a poor period of mental health or if they might have mental health issues themselves I think just be there for them just let them know that you're there and I think it's also about getting them to talk to you and talk about it because I feel it's very easy to just if someone says to you oh I'm fine to just be like all right then okay cool and then you just kind of leave it even though you know they're not you think okay well they've said they're fine that's all I can do I think you do have to sometimes probe a bit more and really ask questions because it's easy to just say oh you're right and then when they say yeah to go okay cool let me know if you need me or I'm here if you need me but sometimes it's got to be a bit more than that because chances are just because you've said that they're not going to automatically come to you but just knowing that they can be open and talk to you is yeah is really important I think it makes a difference so you're a big advocate of the ask twice rule then I think so yeah without being like pushy obviously and I think there's people that you know when they want to talk and when they don't but and I think also a lot of the time people think because they haven't said anything that they're okay oh they haven't mentioned this in a while so they must be all right but obviously you don't know that like you do need to ask do you think the conversation at the moment when it comes to mental health, I guess in the mainstream sphere and when it comes to these awareness days, which I'm equal parts sceptical and optimistic about, do you think there's too much emphasis on people saying, if you're struggling, reach out, whereas actually, if you are struggling, the chances are you're not going to reach out and people need to actively check in? Yeah, it kind of puts more pressure on the people that are struggling already to, oh, well, yeah, if you do feel like that, you just got to talk about it. I think that maybe it should be more on other people to ask and equally know what to say and know how to ask and have a bit of an awareness already of how to talk to them. 
What is your opinion on these awareness days? Do you know, actually, it's funny because I saw your tweets about them and I was reading them because I have always kind of thought, do they really do any good? Are they really that helpful? And I think maybe for younger people, they might be. So younger people that really, really look up to celebrities. I know like now really young people have social media and they have Instagram and all these things. So I feel like for them at a young age, maybe not been exposed to it at all, that could be the first time they've seen anything to do with it, which I think could be helpful. But I do understand what you mean. And it becomes this kind of like parade and like, yeah, and it's like, oh, it's mental health. They've got to do a post, all these influences. It'll be a selfie of them. And it just kind of like, are you doing it because you actually care about this or are you just doing it because you should and if you don't it will look like you just don't care about it what do you think it annoys me a lot I've got to be careful what I say here because I think it serves a purpose these awareness days and awareness weeks of course it does and I think it does a lot of good but I think also exactly what you said a lot of people treat it as a trend and I think for 364 days of the year it's a taboo and no one wants to talk about it and then when it comes to these days it feels like everyone wants to talk about it and then the day after well especially because it's me and other people who work in mental health and do mental health most of the day most of the year sorry I should say it just kind of feels like everyone forgets about it and we're left to pick up the baton if that makes sense so when it comes to an awareness day all these big people and these brands put all this stuff about mental health and you don't actually know if these brands are giving their workers mental health days off. You don't know if they're actually putting in policies. It's a similar sort of criticisms of, you know, supporters of the Black Lives Matter movement would probably say, oh, these brands are putting out Black Lives Matter. But what are you actually doing to increase workforce diversity? What are you actually doing to increase representation or treating black workers in your company better, if that makes sense? So I feel like it's a similar sort of criticism. Yeah, just very performative and doing it because you think, OK, I should do it. This is the thing to do now. Toxic masculinity is something I try and break down a lot on this pod, Bright. But I wanted to talk to you from a female perspective. I guess growing up in school or in your adult life, have you seen examples of toxic masculinity affect you or girls that you know? I guess it would probably devolve into sexism, but also toxic masculinity when you've seen it from boy to a boy perspective as well. I think when I look back now, I think it's often just seen as our oh, boy banter, like it's very different to girls and that's just the kind of jokes that they have. It's not something I would have paid attention to, obviously, because I was just very, oh, that's just their type of banter, that's just what they like kind of thing. But obviously I can see how it may affect people, and especially when we spoke about it on our podcast with you. It's interesting to think about it because as a female, I honestly hadn't really thought about it before and thought about how it can just like, undermine how men might feel and things like that. But I've seen it in like towards me, not toxic masculinity, but sexism, I guess. In the workplace in particular, I was talking about this with my friend recently, there's certain traits that like a man can have. But if a woman has it, it's just very, oh, she's a bitch. Oh, she's this. But as a man, it's like, oh, he's a proper boss. Like he's he's sick at his job. But as soon as a woman starts, she'll have the exact same traits and qualities as him. But she, if she has them, then she's a bitch. But if he has them, then it's fine. And that kind of thing really annoys me. And the notion of if a woman like knows what she wants or whatever, she's just... I don't know, she's not seen in the same way as a man. Do you think the reason for that is men feel threatened or their masculinity feels threatened because there is a woman with a inverted commas dominant personality? Yeah, maybe. I guess so. I don't know. I've always just been like, I don't understand what the issue is here. Like, It's a fragile masculinity, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, and it would make sense. Like, it really, It really hurts their ego that a woman could be in the same position as them. And I guess... For me, the two tenets of toxic masculinity, which I'm hoping are becoming more and more of a minority, is this idea of boy to boy is a lot of homophobia and calling something gay or 
using a homophobic slur because you think a man doesn't live up to a criteria of what you think a man should be, whether that's like liking a certain type of music or it's dressing a certain way or it's behaving a certain way towards girls or it's behaving a certain way towards boys. And then you've got the girl side, which is really toxic sexism and the ways that men might talk about women or you just got to look at kind of university sports teams if you want to have a clear example of that. Yeah, I think it's really sad though. I saw um saw a video on Twitter the other day and it was like this little boy and he was dancing to Little Mix. Did you see it? It was so cute, honestly. It was just so oh, it was so heartwarming. He was literally loving life. He was so happy. And then I just saw people comment on it, like saying that he was gay. And I'm like, it's this tiny little boy. Like, it was the most like wholesome video ever. And people were just being so unnecessary. And I thought that is actually sad that this tiny little boy, he was literally what, like five years old. He couldn't even dance to, his favourite band or his favourite song without people making comments. And I do think it's actually just really sad. I watched that video and my heart just felt so pure. And it just felt to me that purest form of self-expression when you're a kid and you don't care what anyone's looking at you. You don't care how you're dancing and stuff. I guess I felt a little bit, it sounds weird because I feel like I felt a little bit sad watching that because I used to be like, I mean, I still am to a degree, but I lost a lot of that through being bullied. And I guess you can see with those comments, those people would have been those kids in school saying it to him if they got showed a video of it. And it's bad that I saw that video and I knew that this day were the comments that people were going to be making. Without even then they did make them. But I knew just watching it from the get-go, this is what people are going to say about this video. Yeah, and it's just one of those things you, well, you just hope that it never gets to that point where people not online are making those comments. Positive masculinity is something that I'm a big advocate for, Bri. And I'm hoping and I'm really hoping that the more and more pods I do and the more this idea gets out there that masculinity can just be described as positive masculinity if that makes sense from a female perspective how would you like positive masculinity to be defined and what qualities do you think a man should have to exude to be described as positively masculine so for example some guests have said it's emotional intelligence some guests have said it's self-awareness and a degree of self-confidence as well I think that's a really hard question though because I think the things I would point out aren't specific to men necessarily. So like all those things, I do think that that's just something that's a good quality for anyone to have, to be fair, not specific to men. So I'm not really sure. What? How do you define it? I think for me, it's a lot of those things. So it's being self-aware. It's growing as an individual when you make a mistake. I think a lot of guys especially when it comes to toxic masculinity someone will point out something to them that they're doing wrong and they'll just immediately be on the defensive or they'll gaslight the other person I think that's a really big thing I think emotional intelligence being able to talk to someone in a way that isn't just really banal and offer platitudes or the way you have conversations with guys isn't just around sexual braggadocio or like who's the best at fighting all these really stupid things that boys used to do and talk about in school I think it's the way you approach women and the way you engage women you know not to treat women as property and just generally the way you you speak about them as well with with your mates so I think for me those are the kind of qualities I would describe I think emotional intelligence is a massive thing yeah and I'd say actually now accountability just say that you're wrong and that's fine like you're allowed to be wrong you're allowed to have done the wrong thing say the wrong thing but take accountability for it learn from it and just move on and that's fine you don't need to say act as if you didn't or put it on someone else I feel like there's been a growing trend in the last few years and maybe it's politically driven or what, but I feel like people don't apologise as much anymore. No, yeah, it's a big ego thing now, isn't it? Like, Because if you apologise, you're admitting that you're wrong and you don't admit that you're wrong, so you're just not going to say anything. It's just so much tribalism, do you not think? Tribalism now in life and not just politics. 
Mm-hmm. No, yeah, literally on a day to day people, it used to be something I struggle with. Now I don't care about saying sorry. I'll admit when I'm wrong, but it was, I think I was just being stubborn before. I just didn't want to admit it. And I thought if I say sorry, that's admitting that I've done something wrong. And I don't, I don't like that, but it's definitely something you just need to get over. And just finally, Bri, what more do you think we have to do? And this is a very big question to ensure people from all backgrounds feel comfortable and safe in opening up and talking about the mental health or their mental health issues if they want to. I think more understanding what it is I think is really important so I think everyone needs to understand yeah like the extent it can affect people and just understand exactly what it is because I know that mental health obviously there's so many things included in it and I think obviously there's common ones which might be anxiety depression but there's also so much more that affects people and I don't think that people really know the extent of it I think it would be really helpful for not only the people going through it but also people that are like around the people that are going through it and I want to help I want to help them get not get through it as such but you know what I mean if they have more awareness because I know that like there's people I know and they've been like diagnosed with depression for example and that that's not what they had but it was just kind of easier to just say oh that's depression but that doesn't help them because they still don't feel like they're getting the help that they need but also people around them just think oh they're just being horrible or they're just doing this do you know what I mean I think if people knew more and understood more then there would be a lot more empathy number one but two like a lot more help and just on that just quickly have you gotten better at spotting the red flags yourself and what examples could you give of red flags that you've spotted that could be educational for the listeners red flags I would say one that I've seen more commonly is just kind of shutting off and just even if you drop them a message and people don't reply or if you do end up talking to them and they're just kind of really blunt and they're just, oh yeah, I'm fine. I think that for me, that's definitely a red card, like just shutting off, not speaking to anyone, even, you know, little things like not going on social media, not posting anything, or if you send them something, they might see it, but they just don't respond. You know, like little things like that, just things that are out the ordinary for that person. Well, I think that's all we've got time for on this episode of the Just Checking In podcast. I want to say a big thank you to Bryony for being my special guest on this episode's pod and for checking in with me. I'll put some links to where you can follow Not Another Podcast and stream it on your selected platform in the show notes. Remember, if you've liked what you've heard, please do give this a share on all the usual social media channels. Tell your friends or work colleagues about it. Or if you're feeling generous, write us a review and give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. We hope to check in with you again very soon. And remember, it's always okay to vent.